You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Student Pastor Josh Barnett. We are winding this down. I believe Tim is finishing us off next week. Colossians chapter 4, we're just looking at a few verses tonight. Up until this point, man, Paul has really just been giving it to us that Jesus is sufficient, that he is supreme, that we don't need anything other than him. It's just Jesus. And he's been showing us now, now that you're in him, he showed us in chapter 3, take off these things, put on these things. And as Paul is winding this down, he's going to give just a few final words of instruction here, and then he's going to start with all of his his, uh, his greetings and his goodbyes. But tonight we're going to end, his, end with his final instruction, starting in verse 2, and we're going to read through verse 6. It says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. So I love this. His, his final closing encouragement um, in the first couple of verses is about praying, which if you're a believer, that's like, duh, that's like the first principle that you learn how to do. You know, even when you, even when you first come to know Christ, the first thing that you do is pray. It's the sinner's prayer usually that most people repeat whenever they come. And so prayer is like a duh. Um, but, it, but it can't ever be just a box that we check. The prayer is lifestyle, and I want to teach a little bit on prayer tonight, and I want to caution you to not just check out and say, like, okay, like, I know that. I know I'm supposed to pray. That, that I would say, call that the spirit of religion in your life, trying to disconnect you from something that, that's an old thing but is always supposed to be a new thing. Amen. Let that sink in. Um, if you want to write a, a, a title along with what I'm talking about tonight, you can call it Coming In and Going Out. I'm going to talk to you tonight about a coming in life, a coming in and going out lifestyle and how Paul is commanding us believers to live. Well, real quick, I, I, I want to give you three types of prayer. Three types of prayer. Prayer essentially is, is conversation, communion with God, but I want to say that I, I would say that there are three types of prayer that all believers are clearly called to that we see very clearly in the New Testament. The first one is personal prayer. Number one is personal prayer. Matthew 6, 6, you go into your room and you shut the door and you cry out to your father who is in secret. Personal prayer. There is a prayer that is supposed to be between, be between you and God and not seen by men. There's a personal relationship that you're supposed to have with the Father. If the incarnate Christ, Son of God, got up early and often to go pray to his Father, then my goodness do I need to. <laughs> if the very Son of God snuck away often to be alone with his Father, we also need it that much more. And the disciples, if you, if you read the Gospels, the disciples only asked Jesus to teach them how to do one thing. And it was to pray. It was to pray. Teach us how to pray. Because they notice something. When you go off in that little secret place of yours and you, we wake up in the morning and you're already gone. Or late at night and you get away from all of us. You go off and you, you come back and crazy things start happening. 
They, they notice something, they notice a strength and a power that Jesus had because he was constantly in the place of prayer. So we have to have a personal prayer life. I would say this is the most important thing as a believer, bar none, is your personal prayer life, your personal relationship with the Lord. It's got to be your number one priority, and I really believe that it is the key to everything else. Number two type of prayer that we're called to is corporate, with other believers. Matthew 18, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am among them. You see Acts, in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, an essential characteristic of the New Testament church was they gathered often, most of the times daily, to pray with one another. Charles Finney said, nothing, trends more, nothing tends more to cement the hearts of Christians than praying together. Never do they love one another so well as when they witness the outpouring of each other's hearts in prayer. Praying corporately is super powerful and it's, it's essential to the body of Christ. The third type of prayer is a, uh, you can use the word uh, contemplative prayer, or which basically just means constant, constant lifestyle, something that is, that is always added to everything that you do. We are called to constantly be in communion with him. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 would say, would call it praying without ceasing, living in constant communication with God, constantly developing a relationship with him, where he's the first thought on your mind, where he's the last thought when you go to, go to break, when you're on your lunch break by yourself, when you're driving down the road by yourself, that you are constantly talking about him and thinking about him. I would say that, that our relationship with Christ is compared to a man and his wife in Ephesians chapter 5. If you, a little marriage advice for you, if you are married in this room, you're not supposed to do anything without your spouse in mind because you are one person. And in a similar way, we share a co-union with Christ. We are not supposed to do anything without him in mind. So we've got to develop this lifestyle of prayer. Now, obviously, right now, me looking at you and talking to you and you looking at me, we're not, we're not praying. Like, we're not saying a prayer right now. And so, you know, it's not like 24-7, every single moment, Paul was saying pray without ceasing. It's just at every opportunity you have, you should be talking to him. And you'll find that you'll live in a lot less compromise if you do. So those are the three type of prayer, the three types of praying. And I wanted to get that out of the way because in, in verse 2, Paul gives us three characteristics of prayer that I believe are supposed to be characteristics of these three types of prayer. Was that confusing? <laughs> three, three characteristics of prayer that should be, that should be an adjective of prayer of constant prayer, of corporate prayer, and of personal prayer. So all three of these. The first one is earnestly pray. Number one, earnest prayer should be a characteristic. Now this, this is a serious, zealous, sincere, like it can't become religious activity. It can't become a mantra. It can't be something that you're just quoting without your mind being present. Like, it's, like it's, this is a serious thing earnestly devoted. That is, it's a, it's a single-minded faithfulness to a course of action where you are earnestly praying, you're earnestly devoted to prayer. And every time you pray, it's earnest. It's not just you talking to the wall, but you realize that you are in serious communication talking to the Lord. It's, it's persistent, unwavering, constant, continual. Back to the marriage thing, I, I believe that most marriages fail because of a lack of communication. 
a breakdown of communication is the reason that most marriages fail. And I would say that the reason that someone's relationship with Christ fails or they backslide is, be, it fails, is because they first had a failure in the secret place. They first had a failure in their relationship with the Lord. It became this cold, dead, religious thing that they grew bored with. And so they stopped doing it. And that is the first place that compromise happens is in the place of prayer. So it has got to be an earnest thing that we are devoted to. <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon said, a, pray a prayerless soul is a Christless soul. Prayer is the lisping of the believing infant, the shouting of the fighting believer, the requiem of a dying saint falling asleep in Jesus. It is the breath, the watchword, the comfort, the strength, the honor of a Christian. If thou be a child of God, thou wilt seek thy father's face and live in thy father's love. Pray that this year thou, may, thou mayest be holy, humble, zealous, and patient, having closer communion with Christ and entering more often into the banqueting house of his love. Pray that thou mayest be an example and a blessing unto others, that thou mayest live more to the glory of thy master. May the motto of every year be continue in prayer morning and evening. It's good. Thank you, Charles. Number, number two, second characteristic of prayer that Paul shows us in the New Living, it says alert mind. In others, it says vigilant. Be vigilant in the place of prayer. So number two is like vigilantly praying. Okay, Not that you're just serious about it, but also when you're praying that you're awake and that you're alert and that you're ever watchful. So that you're not just a Christian with your head in the sand, but you're watchful and you know things that are going on in the world so that you can pray for them. You know things that are going on in your family's life so that you can pray for them. We're ever watchful about what is happening around us. John Piper says, I've often said that one, one of the reasons we feel so weak in our prayer lives is that we have tried to make it a domestic intercom out of a, uh, uh, sorry, we've tried to make a domestic intercom out of a wartime walkie-talkie. Prayer is not designed as an intercom between us and God to serve the domestic comforts of the saints. It is designed as a walkie-talkie for spiritual battlefields. It's the link between active soldiers and their command head headquarters with its unlimited firepower and air coverage and strategic wisdom. Come on. It's good, John. Thank you for that. Keep your mind alert and engaged while you pray. Keep your eyes open. Be a watchman. Be vigilant. See what is happening. Sound the alarm. When we pray, we are sending out angels. We are sending out the Holy Spirit. We are sending out the power of God to perform his will on earth. And perhaps maybe that's why we become weak in the prayer places because we don't believe that our prayers actually do anything. We've got to build up our faith and believe that our prayers are actually accomplishing the will of God. Matthew 26, 41, Jesus told his disciples, keep watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Keep watch and pray that you might not fall into temptation. It reminds me of what Paul says in Corinthians, take heed therefore lest you fall. Be watchful. First Thessalonians 5, verses 4 through 6 says, But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We do not belong to the darkness and night, so be on guard, not asleep like others are. 
Stay alert and be clear-headed. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that you, your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. So we have got to be vigilant in the place of prayer. We have been rescued from darkness and placed into God's marvelous light. So we must walk as children of the light, not like sleeping men and women, but awake and alive in the power of God. We cannot afford to fall asleep into spiritual indifference and spiritual apathy. We have got to be vigilant in the place, in the place of prayer. I think one of the dangerous things about uh, the American culture is that many of us don't have needs. We don't need food or money or sh- and you could say, well, yeah, I need those things. Well, I need more. I mean, I guess we could all use more money. <laughs> but comfort and convenience of our American culture can be a dangerous slap, dangerous trap that lulls us to sleep spiritually. We have to be concerned about what's going on in the rest of the world. Paul commanded it right, or Peter commanded it right here in 1 Peter chapter 5. We've got to be concerned with what is happening to our brothers and sisters around the world. So I want to challenge you, how often do you pray for your brothers and sisters around the world? How often do we, do we, do we know what's going on in China now with the Christian church? Do we know, like, what, they, what they're going through in China, what they're going through in the Middle East, it, it makes what look like what we're going through, like, child's play it's a lot worse and and one thing that maybe the american church has trouble doing or that we don't know how to do is suffer we cannot be lulled asleep by our convenience and our comfort we are in a spiritual war there are souls at stake there are people being martyred there are people being heavily persecuted for their faith all over the world. We have to be, we've got to be vigilant in the, pra- in the place of prayer. A <clears throat> uh, couple tips really, I, I think that will help us be vigilant and help us to stay earnest is, is keep your prayer life fresh. Sometimes, sometimes religion isn't necessarily doing the wrong thing. Sometimes religion is doing the right thing for too long. Sometimes you just get in the mode. So, you know, a, a few things I do is I, I, um, I'll just change it up. Sometimes I kneel. Sometimes I stand. Sometimes I lay down. Sometimes I pace. Sometimes I change up my location. Whether Sometimes I walk this campus. Sometimes I, I lay in my office. Sometimes I'm just in the youth center. Sometimes I come in this building. And I, you know, change it up. Don't, don't, don't just be such a creature of habit that it has to be in this place. Now, if you can be vigilant and earnest in that place every single day that's totally fine but sometimes you need a change of scenery so do something a little bit do something a little bit different and and, and sometimes it doesn't just need to be you repeating the same mantra over and over again sometimes you just need to worship sometimes you need to sometimes you need to sing a new song sometimes you need to sing a song that the lord puts on your heart and not something that's on caleb not that that's bad but but maybe to stay a little bit more vigilant and stay a little bit more earnest, maybe you just need to change up your routine a little bit. <clears throat> I have a prayer list of people that I pray for and things that I pray for, but I don't pray over that list every single day. That's awesome that if you do, and if you love doing that, that's totally fine. I don't, don't, don't ever look at prayer as like, a, like there's a formula to it. 
Are there certain things that we're, we can learn about it tonight? For sure. But my prayer life doesn't have to look exactly like your prayer life. <laughs> and, and, and listen, I think a huge part of prayer that we miss out on often is prayer is a dialogue. God wants to speak to you. But sometimes we talk so much that he doesn't get to. But what he has to say is a lot better than what I have to say. Sit in silence, meditate on him. Put your phone in the other room. <laughs> I got quiet when I said that. <clears throat> Many times people ask me how long I pray, when, what time. You know, it varies. It really varies because I have four little ones at home. <laughs> sometimes it's in the morning, sometimes in the evening, sometimes right when I get off work, sometimes on a lunch break, sometimes it's only in the shower. That's odd. Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 20 minutes, sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's two hours. It just depends sometimes on what's going on that day, how early I woke up, how late I want to go to bed, how busy my schedule is, you know? <laughs> sometimes I don't wake up early to pray, sometimes I, don't have, sometimes I don't have that time, sometimes like the other night, we, our three-year-old crawled in the bed and threw up, and it was awesome. But that changed up our morning routine a little bit, that changed up the way that our day, our day went a little bit, so these things happen. <clears throat> Sometimes you get a, sometimes maybe you're used to, you know, maybe you're prey on the way to work, but sometimes you get an emergency phone call that takes up your whole drive to work. But don't, but so, so don't fall in love with just that routine. And then if you can't do that routine, you can't pray at all. And I'll say this too. Don't, don't fall in love with a certain amount of time. I would say quality over quantity is what's important. I would prefer believers to spend 10 quality minutes with the Lord undistracted than an hour on and off in Facebook the whole time you're praying. Quality over quantity, I think many times, is what is more important. Let prayer be a posture for your life, a, a, a lifestyle, a dialogue. Don't let it be, become a formula. Wayne Grudem said, genuine prayer is conversation with a person whom we know well and who knows us. Such genuine conversation between persons who know each other never depends on the use of certain formulas or required words, but is a matter of sincerity in our speech and in our heart, a matter of right attitudes and a matter of the condition of our spirit. I love that. Genuine conversations between persons never depends on certain formulas or required words. How odd would it be if me and my wife went out on a date and it was like, Question one, question two, question three, every single time. That is very strange. The Lord's Prayer is awesome, but it's an outline. It is not you have to pray like this every single day. You can pray it every day if you're earnest in it, but it's not something that you have to absolutely pray every single day. There are principles that we take from the Lord's Prayer and that we apply to our prayer life and that we pray for. We're going to talk about a couple of them here in a minute. But it's not a mantra that you just you mindlessly chant every day. That is not relationship. God is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. It is not an it. And God is not far away. He's close. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The third characteristic, I got to move on. Y'all are holding me up. Got a lot to talk about. <laughs> the third characteristic, Paul says, with a thankful heart. So thankful prayer. Thankful prayer. Always thankful. We've got to approach God with a thankful attitude, a thankful heart. Always thankful for what he has done and what he will do. 
We need to be immersed in thankfulness, regardless of what you see or don't see happen. Our posture must remain thankful. Remember, prayer is not to get God to do things your way. (laughs) Rather, prayer is mainly to get you to see things his way. (laughs) Thanksgiving is a form of worship to God. And I believe that a thankful heart is the root to all authentic praise, worship, and prayer. We approach him with thanksgiving. (laughs) It's funny to look at the early church, because they seem to be the most persecuted and have the most problems, but they look like they were having a blast. I mean, they rejoiced over being persecuted. They rejoiced over being beaten. They were thankful that they got to be persecuted like their Savior was. (laughs) We grumble and complain because somebody sat in our seat. Or because the mute, we came in tonight, the music was too loud, or it was too quiet, it was too dark, it was too bright. It's so easy to nitpick and be critical. We've got to have thankful, expectant hearts about what God is going to do. <clears throat> we cannot allow entitlement and comparison to get in the way that we view and approach God. God doesn't owe us anything. He's already given us everything. Jesus is our inheritance. Can you worship, can you pray in thanksgiving before the breakthrough comes? Until the breakthrough comes. We must constantly keep our place, our, ourselves in a place of desperation for him. We always, 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 always have things to be thankful for. Look at what he has done in your life. So many times in prayer, in my secret place in worship, even in corporate prayer, obviously even if you have been coming here for any amount of time and watch me preach, I can't even hold it together because I lose, I lose myself. I'm overwhelmed in his goodness. I'm overwhelmed at what he has done. That God looked down and chose Josh Barnett. If you knew pre-Christ Josh, Entitlement says, I, <laughs> entitlement says, I thought he would pick me. Thanksgiving says, of all people, he should have picked, he shouldn't have picked me. That keeps me thank, thankful. Entitlement says, he owes me more. Thanksgiving says, if this is all I ever experience, I'm satisfied. The fact that he wanted me in his family, that he paid for me with his son's life, I will give him every second of every day of my life because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. We've got to approach him with thankful heart. That has got to be one of the main characteristics of our prayer. Let's move on. Verse, verses three and four. Paul says, pray for us. While we're talking about prayer, he says, pray for us too, that God would give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. This is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. It's interesting that he doesn't say pray that God would get me out of these chains. Notice what he prays for. Now, this isn't an end-all statement on prayer tonight, but this is, it's, it's interesting to see Paul command them to pray and how to pray, and then his prayer request. His prayer request is that God would give me many opportunities to speak, to proclaim his name. Paul is not concerned with himself. He's concerned with other people. He's concerned with people hearing the Gospels. 
that I'll have many more opportunities to speak. That's why I'm in chains. And, he, and so he says, give me these many more opportunities, even if it means more chains, even if it means more persecution. I mean, Paul was really in the right place. I mean, to have the mindset to live as Christ, to die as gain, what do you do with a guy like that? If you kill him, he wins. And if he lives, he's going to keep living like Jesus. What do you do with a believer that has that mindset? But I love Paul's prayer request. He wants to be able to continue to preach the gospel. And from this, we see that one of our number one places in prayer is to advance the kingdom. We advance the kingdom with our prayer. E.M. Bounds says, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be, the mightier the forces against evil. Prayer is not actually to tell God what you need. Matthew 6, 8 says the Father knows what you need. Before you even ask, he knows what you need. God wants us to pray to express our trust to him, our faith in him, to depend on him. God actually delights in our prayers. He delights in our dependence. And we've got to understand <clears throat> that this is going to sound weird and it's going to mess with your religion, but we oftentimes give God permission to move. And that sounds odd, and that doesn't sound exactly right. I believe that God is sovereign, and I believe that he will see his sovereign will come to pass. But God is, the, he, God is weird. He likes to use these things that he created in order to enact his sovereign will on the planet. We co-labor with him to build the kingdom. And so he, he, wants, to, he wants us to pray because he wants to do it with us. He doesn't, does sometimes he sovereignly intervene in things without us? Yeah, sure. But many times you see him intervening because people are asking him to, people are praying for him to, people are declaring his promises over something. People are praying his will. <clears throat> God wants us to be involved in eternal things, in building his kingdom. God is sovereign, but God cannot do whatever he wants to do. And again, that sounds like, eesh, that new heretic signal just going up right there, this guy. God can't sin. God can't make a rock so big that he can't move it. Think about that one for a while. <laughs> God doesn't, for the point is God doesn't force his way in most of the time. He's looking for people to look to him. Second Chronicles 7.14, we all know it, but when I start saying some of these things, your heretic red flag goes up. That religious red flag goes up. It's like, I don't know about that, partner. Okay? Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their, hear their land. So th there is a responsibility that falls on us to humble ourselves and pray and then he'll move. <clears throat> James 4, 2 says, you have not because you ask not. <laughs> so he's telling us that we don't have it because we are failing to ask in prayer, that we fail to ask what God actually wants to do, that we are actually depriving ourselves of things that our good father wants to do because we don't ask him to. Luke eleven nine through 10 says, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. Those are all talking about prayer and they're all talking about how we have a responsibility in order to open the door for him. It's a good point, Josh. It's really simple, but we pray and God responds. 
Now, prayer, isn't, prayer is not wishful thinking. Prayer is trust in a personal God who wants us to take him at his word. We must pray God's will. And God's will is found in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what are we praying for every day? To see heaven open up on earth. He's not talking about when you die and go to heaven. It's that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. How much of God's will is being done in heaven right now? 100%. How much does he want his will to be done on earth then? I would say 100%. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to pray, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants us to be praying those things. <laughs> We're talking about prayer. I can't move on from prayer without talking about praying in the spirit. The spirit also has a part to play in our prayer life. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the father knows all hearts know what the spirit is saying for the spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So when we don't know what to pray, when we don't know what to say, we pray in the spirit. We pray in tongues. And it lines my spirit up with his spirit. It's, Paul says, I pray with my words so that my mind is fruitful. I also pray in tongues so that my spirit is fruitful. It's, it's two-way. Because we can, be ask, we can be asking and praying for things that may not be God's will. Because, God, I really need a million dollars right now. And then I might pray in the Holy Spirit. And I might pray in tongues. And then the Holy Spirit says, God, don't give this man a million dollars. Because it will destroy him. But the spirit knows... What I need, the Spirit, it gets me in His will every single day. That's why it is so important. Jude 20 says to pray in the Holy Spirit of all times to stir yourself up in the most holy faith. <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon said, Groanings which cannot be uttered are often prayers which cannot be refused. It's really good, right? But we've got, praying the Spirit, praying, uh, praying in normal words, we've got to be convinced that our prayers move the hand of God that our prayers can even change the way that he will act. And there are stories of that in scripture. Moses prays and it changes God's mind. I don't understand that. Don't throw it on me. It's in scripture. I didn't say it. <laughs> I would say that maybe if you pray little, it's probably because you don't really believe that it accomplishes very much. We have got to stay in the place of prayer. All right, and to end this going out lifestyle. So coming in in prayer and then this going out. Verse five and six says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. If you are devoted to these three types of prayer that we talked about, personal, corporate, constant, if they have the three characteristic, earnest, vigilant, thankful, the next part, verse five and six, I believe will be of secondary consequence. Like it, it will just, it will happen automatically. If you, if you have a, a, a consistent, personal, corporate, constant prayer life, and you are earnest and vigilant and thankful, five and six will happen automatically. You won't, even, you won't have to strive for it to happen. It will just happen. Uh, Bill Johnson says that, that true evangelism is when worship breaks out of the secret place. And so it's like you're in the secret place, and you are overflowing with him. And so everywhere you go, you are making a mess with the gospel, like it's just flowing out of you. It's, it's, it, it becomes who you are. 
Ephesians 5.18 says, be, Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. That word he uses, be filled with the Spirit, means constantly filled. It's not filled one time. So we go into the place, and, and, and he contrasts it with drunk people. Okay? When you, don't be drunk with wine. Okay? When, everybody, everybody gets so weird when I start talking about, talking about wine. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> drunk, it says, drunk people don't stay drunk. They sober up. That's why Paul says that. Drunk people don't stay drunk. You, the Holy Spirit lives in you, but you don't stay full of him. God created us to be dependent on him because he's jealous for us. Because he loves us so much, he wants us to come back into that place. And so we come back in and we get filled up. You're, you're, not, you're not meant to live to get filled up and poured out and filled up and poured out and filled up and poured out. I told our, our, our we had a, I got two minutes left. Man, y'all held me up. Um, <laughs> I t- we had our Quest Junior High Conference uh, la- this last weekend. And beforehand, we had a leaders meeting. And I told my leaders, it doesn't make sense to say, y'all get prayed up for this. Get prayed up. We got, a, we got a conference this weekend. Get prayed up. We got camp coming up. Get prayed up. We got whatever. That doesn't make sense to me. And, I, and if you got to get prayed, I told him, I was like, if you got to get prayed up for something, I don't really want you on my staff. Why? Because I want people who stay prayed up, who stay full, who stay in that place of prayer. That is the life of a believer. where We stay constantly Full. And I will say that you can't consistently do what Paul's talking about in verses 5 and 6 if you don't do verse 2. Because prayer changes you. It gives you the mind of Christ. It fills you with the Spirit. Principles without prayer won't last. Principles without prayer won't stick. They won't stay because you actually haven't been transformed. You are who you hang around. You hang out with Jesus. You become like Jesus. If you hang out with yourself, you become like yourself. We don't want you, we want Christ. You don't want Josh Barnett, you want Jesus. <laughs> and I would say, that, I would say the, the, the outward um, portrayal, the outward reflection maybe of your life is a testimony of your secret place. And if you're spending time with him. And so I would say when you get pricked, when you get pushed, when you get nudged what comes out of you when trials come what comes out of you when hard times come because anybody can apply the principles when everything's going well but what happens when things don't go go well what do we get it's a coming in to the personal to the corporate and then going out our lives should be sermons our lives should be lived out prayers. We can go to church a lot. We can spend lots of time in the prayer closet. We can be intercessors. Some may be called to be intercessors more than others. But here's the deal. We all have to go out into the world. We all are going to have to deal with unbelievers. We are all called to make disciples. To make disciples, you have to evangelize. And Paul didn't say, if you're an evangelist, do this. No, this is for all believers, he's telling the church in Colossians. This is for all believers, not just if you have the gift of evangelism. Well, I'm a really awkward person. That's okay. Paul said like four times in his letters, I'm not a good speaker. Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, said, I'm not a good speaker. Paul, who probably saw thousands upon thousands of people saved, said he wasn't a good speaker. So there's hope for us. You don't have to be like this, this eloquent oral speaker. You just have to be who God created you to be. 
And he says, look for every opportunity. Every opportunity. Some translation says, season your conversations with salt. So every, and if you're full of him, he just comes out of you. If you're full of him, I promise you, he'll come out in a two-minute conversation with the cashier at Walmart. His love, his truth, his grace, who Jesus is will come out of you. I can't think of anybody better to use an example than Miss Hetty. I don't know if Miss Hetty's here tonight, but Miss Hetty, you talked to her for two minutes, and what is she talking about? Jesus. Why? Because she's so full of him. Because she stays in the secret place. And we've got to walk in wisdom. It says to walk in wisdom before all unbelievers. Wisdom is taking the truth and the knowledge about God's word and applying it to your own life. Applying it to every area of your life, your family, your finances, your jobs, your relationships. And then unbelievers, when they watch you, when they scrutinize you, they'll see that you are handling everything with godly, biblical wisdom. Let's not be hypocrites. Don't, let, don't give unbelievers in a, a, a reason uh, to reject this gospel because of your hypocrisy. Let your life be the testimony of Jesus. We're to live in a way that demonstrates abundant life, a life that convicts their hearts. And listen, be, are y'all with me? We're almost done, I promise. <laughs> be committed to the long game with people. Sometimes you'll have a conversation and man, right then in that moment, they give their life to Jesus. But that doesn't always happen. Sometimes it's the long game. It's you day in, day out being the same person, being full of love, being full of truth, being full of grace, being full of mercy, day in and day out for a long period of time. And so just because someone rejects you in the moment, keep working on them. Keep working on them. Keep working on them. Don't make it about you. Keep it about the Lord. Keep it about Jesus. Let your life be a testimony. Sometimes it's our long obedience that the Holy Spirit is going to use to draw the hearts of an unbeliever. It's the blessing, the favor, the joy, the peace, the love that we walk in that the Lord will use to draw people unto himself. I'll end with this. All of this doctrine, all of this instruction that Paul has taught us in Colossians he ends with saying, apply this to your prayer life, apply this to your public life. And I would say any doctrine or instruction that isolates the believer from the needs of the prayer closet and the needs of this world are heretical. They're not that they wouldn't be right. God has called us to both. A going into the prayer closet for the Lord so he can shine on us, so he can fill us up, and then we go out into the world to shine bright and overflow everywhere we go. It's a coming in, and going out lifestyle. Coming in and going out. Amen? Man, y'all stand with me. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we ask that you would draw our hearts deeper into the secret place with you. God, we're so grateful that we serve a God that is infinite, that, that we get to know for all eternity that your love is so deep and so wide and so long and so tall and so ever, in every direction, God. Lord, that we just get to constantly learn about you and, and we get to go from glory to glory, that there's always greater degrees of who you are. There's always more satisfaction in you. There's always more peace and more joy and more love to be found. Draw our hearts into that secret place with you, Lord. Teach us how to, how to have spiritual discipline of 
a constant prayer lifestyle where we constantly are focused and connected on you. And then, Lord, teach us how to shine bright, how to shine bright for you. Teach us how to season our conversations with the salt of your word, with the salt of your spirit. Lord, that we may all understand that it's not just for the evangelist, it's not just for the pastor, but this is a call for every believer, that we would be a city on a hill, that we would be a light unto the world. Give us courage to shine bright for you to strangers, to our families, to our coworkers. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for this word. We thank you for all that you've done in us and through us. We thank you that you fight our battles, that you go before us, and that you also come behind us, that you keep us safe, that you protect us. Lord, build up our faith in the place of prayer, that we would understand that prayer actually changes things, that prayer actually works, that prayer is powerful, because you can do way more than we ever could imagine. We love you, God. We thank you for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless. We'll see you Sunday. You have been listening to the CMC podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.